When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In the 2019 NHL Amateur Draft, the Chicago Blackhawks drafted Kirby Dock with the third pick overall. Cole Caulfield slipped to number 15. Three years later, Scott Wheeler of The Athletic revisits the 2019 draft, and he'll tell us three years later who slipped and who was the steal of the draft. Are those two Montreal Canadiens players, the players that we're talking about in terms of one slipping and one being the steal? We'll find out in about a minute. And we'll also take a look at Team Canada World Juniors 2022 roster. And Scott Wheeler will tell us whether or not they're going to come back with gold, silver, or bronze, or not medal at all. Also, some big names won't be there. Who are they? We discuss all of that and more. On the sick podcast, it's coming up. I'm Marinaro. Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to the sick podcast with Tony Marinaro, the sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Sports entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. Marinero, the sick podcast brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct like scouts do when they pick a player and live their passions. They got to be passionate about it with all those travel miles in order to make their mark. And brought to you by Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when it was called Lacage au Spar, that was a long time ago. It's time you get back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. It no longer surprises me. Love that place. Love this guy too. He does a great job from the athletic. Scott Wheeler, what's going on? How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. This is uh, sort of Holinka Gretzky Cup week for me and then off to the World Juniors next week. So this is ramping back up the hockey season, at least the draft season, the prospects season. That calendar has kind of restarted here. So this this week was really the beginning of of 2022, 2023 for me. So looking forward to getting out to Edmonton next week. Some of the people watching, and we'll watch, and you can watch this, of course, on YouTube. Subscribe. It's absolutely free, and we show it on Facebook as well and put clips up on Twitter and follow us everywhere at The Sick Podcast. Now we're watching and saying the Halinka gretzky Cup. What is this exactly, and who is eligible to play in it? The Halinka gretzky Cup is one of two huge sort of platform U18 events. There's the Holinka Gretzky Cup each summer, and then there's U18 Worlds each April. And they kind of compete against each other. Hockey Canada was never able to send its best players to the U18 Worlds in April because they typically conflict with the CHL playoffs. And as a result, the roster that they produce for that tournament is a is a pretty sort of thin one, typically. 
and as a result, they don't tend to compete well with, with Team USA in that event. Team USA builds towards U18 Worlds with its national development program. Those kids are told when they enter the national development program in Plymouth that the U18 Worlds, the gold medal there is the end game. And Canada has kind of created, uh, in, in sort of conjunction with the Czech Federation, has created the Helenka Gretzky Cup as its version, its ideal sort of best on best window tournament, right? They want the Helenka Gretzky Cup to almost delegitimize U18 Worlds. They they tout it as the best on best tournament. And it's a, a little bit of a, a sort of political game that Hockey Canada and, and, and USA Hockey play with each other where one uh, sort of prizes one tournament and the other prizes the other. So uh, a bit of a tricky landscape, but both still huge tournaments typically draw almost all of the best players. You don't get the best Canadians in April and you don't get the best Americans at this event, uh, the, U the U18 team for the National Development Program does not participate in the Helenka Gretzky Cup. So you're getting the B-grade prospects in the United States, uh, but still huge, huge events for for the, the sort of scouting community in advance of each draft. This one really starts it, and then U18 Worlds in April kind of finishes it. We know that there's going to be some big, game, uh, big names who will not be at the World Junior Tournament that's coming up. Who are, but before we get to that, who are the big names to watch out for if you're paying attention to the Holinka Gretzky Cup? Oh, there are a number of them. This Canadian team is loaded. The 2023 draft, as I'm sure you've heard already, is a special one. This is kind of 2015, 2003 all over again. I expect it to have two or three superstars. I expect it to have 10, 15 stars inside the first round. It's going to be one of those sort of drafts to remember. So with the Canadians at the Holinka Gretzky Cup, Names like Zach Benson, he's going to be a top five, top six pick in this year's draft. Callum Ritchie, likely a top 10 pick. Uh, Braden Yeager, for sure, uh, top 10, top 15 pick in this year's draft. Uh, so those are really the, the sort of crowning jewels uh, for the tournament for Canada. But they're not alone. Otto Stenberg for the Swedes. Theo Winstein for the Swedes. Kasper Haltonen for the Finns. Obviously, we are without the Russians. The Russians are going to produce two or three top prospects in the first round in this year's draft, as they Michkov. always do. Uh, Matvey Michkov is not here. Uh, Daniel Boot is not here. Mikhail Gulyayev, maybe the top D prospect in the draft, is not here. So uh, that piece of it complicates things. Obviously, the, without the Russians, the tournament is a little bit watered down, especially because it, at the Helenka Gretzky Cup, mm -hmm. because the, the USA isn't the strongest, the Russians have typically been the challenger for Canada in this event. Uh, so without them, it just it just does feel like Canada's to lose a little bit. How about Fantilli? Fantilli and and uh, and Connor Bedard are not participating because they were both at U18 Worlds. Because Fantilli is on the older side, Fantilli's a 2004, and this is a tournament for 2005s. Uh, he's not participating, and then Bedard is obviously with the with the national junior team in advance of Edmonton next week. So you're without the two top Canadians for this Canadian roster, but there are still 10, 15 first round picks in the upcoming draft that are playing for Canada at the Helenka. The 2003 draft is known as arguably the greatest draft in terms of depth, especially in the first round in the history of the National Hockey League. In your opinion, is the 2023 draft going to be the draft that will come the closest to that? 
I think 2015 may have come close, if not have eclipsed it at this point. Uh, it wasn't just the draft of we remember of, of McDavid and Eichel, right? It produced Mitch Marner, Miko Rantanen, Kyle Connor, Thomas Shabbat. You go down the list in that first round. All of those players are playing, and they're not just playing. They're, they're stars. Matt Barzell, you keep going. Uh, so the, I, I think 2015 really challenged 2003. And then this draft is, I think, going to challenge both of them. I'm not sure you're going to get the the Connor McDavid. I think Connor Bedard's going to be a transformative superstar level 50 goal scorer type player in the NHL. Love but that McDavid guy. McDavid is singular, right? McDavid is one of one. McDavid is is not just a generational player. He's a yeah. potentially a Mount Rushmore player. So uh, I don't think Bedard's going to reach that level, and maybe that's what elevates 2015 above. 2003 and 2023 but this is certainly as far as the drafts i've covered this will be my 10th draft doing this work and outside of 2015 this is the best draft i've covered by a mile you can shop all your sports license lifestyle apparel including hoodies caps t-shirts of your favorite teams all major leagues uh, some of you can end up buying jerseys where some of these players are going to end up playing at and our sick merchandise of course which i'm wearing right now at sportbuffshop.com. Use code 615 for 15% off on all of their items. Okay, you wrote a piece the other day in The Athletic, which I absolutely loved, one of many, by the way. Let's bring up the tweet right now. It's revisiting the 2019 NHL draft. There you have it. My annual redraft project is out this year. I repicked the class of 2019, review my old ranking, and offer updated thoughts, evaluations, and projections for a new top 31. Okay, let's go to that draft, and I have the top 15 picks. I took top 15 because there's a couple of players who play for the Montreal <laughs> Canadiens. Hold on a second. There's 14. Is number 15 not in there? Hold on. There we go. There we go. All right, okay. So let's go back and look at that draft. The New Jersey Devils with the number one pick, Jack Hughes. The Rangers, Capo Caco. Chicago, Kirby Dock, who was traded to the Montreal Canadiens on draft night. Colorado at number four, Bowen Byram. Los Angeles, Alex Turcott. Detroit, Moritz Sider. What a pick that was. Seven, Dylan Cousins. Edmonton, Philip Broberg. Anaheim, Trevor Zegras at nine. That's a beauty. Vancouver, Vasily Podgolson. Arizona, Victor Soderstrom. Minnesota, Matthew Boldy. Florida, Spencer Knight, Philadelphia, Cam York, and Montreal, Cole Caulfield. Scott, I would imagine when you redo that draft that Jack Hughes is still number one, or is it Trevor Zegras or Mort Sider? Well, that's the three, right? I, I think there have emerged two trios at the very top of that draft. You've got Hughes, Sider, and Zegris. And then I think at, right after them, not far behind, you've got Caulfield, Boldy, and Bowen Byram. Bowen Byram was sensational for the Colorado Avalanche last year once he got back from his concussion issues. Uh, and then, the, the, I mean, Boldy and Caulfield, we saw what they did, particularly in the second half. Uh, Boldy was unbelievable for the Minnesota Wild, one of their very best players right away. And Caulfield really hit his stride and scored 20 goals in the second half alone. So um, that those three, uh, uh, those are the sort of two trios. Those would be the, the, I think, unequivocal top six. I think even if you were to survey 10 scouts, those are by and large going to be the top six. But I still had, as far as number one goes, I still had Jack Hughes number one. Uh, I, I think Moritz Sider is a cornerstone first pairing defenseman. I think Trevor Zegras is a star. I think he's going to be in, in the vein of the Daniel Sedins, the Nicholas Backstroms. I think he's going to be one of the best passers in the game in this generation. 
Um, so those two players, special players, I think Zegers would get a ton of attention if he were in a market like New York, who drafted second overall that year. He's yeah. a New York boy at Madison Square Gardens. He would have been made for that. So uh, I love Trevor Zegers, love Moritz Sider. But Jack Hughes, I think, with, with the way he plays in transition, the way he carries the puck, he's a pretty special player. And I think we're going to see him score 80, 90 points a year for the bulk of his career. So that yeah. still leaves Jack Hughes at number one for me. You talked about Cole Caulfield, and if I remember that draft, right, the Canadians have great footage on their on their uh, on their Habs television. You can check it out on YouTube. And uh, Mark Bergevin at the time, Cole Caulfield was slated to go in the top ten. The Canadians had the fifteenth pick in the draft, and Mark Bergevin asked to take Cole Caulfield out to supper. And Pat Brisson, who was his agent, said, "Why would you want to do that? I mean, he's going to go in the top ten. He's not going to be available when you pick." And they brought him out to supper and we're watching the draft. And because of his height or lack thereof, he slipped. He was out of the top 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. He's available at 15 and the Canadians draft him. Trevor Timmons is seen talking at the draft table with Marty Lapointe and, uh, and talking with Shane Churla at the time was working for the Canadians. And, um, and they said, you know what, who do we go with? And let's go with Caulfield. We need scoring and he can score on the power play and stuff like that. He's a scorer. And they draft Cole Caulfield. You said you have two tiers when you revisit this draft. Mm-hmm. You have um, Jack Hughes, you have Trevor Zegras, and you have Mort Sider in the first tier. Mm-hmm. And then you have Boldy, Caulfield, and Byron. Byron in the second tier. So let's just say Cole Caulfield, who was drafted 15th, ends up being in that second tier at number six, jumping nine spots. That's the most anyone will jump at the minimum. Are you saying that the steal of the draft was Cole Caulfield? I think he was certainly one of them. In terms of that top 15 that you showed on your list there, he's the biggest riser, right? He's the kid whose stock has improved the most. So uh, that's a testament to the belief that they had in him, their ability to look past some of the biases that other teams have. You mentioned the height, but it's not just the height. It's the fact that he was a winger, I think, as well. Small wingers always fall. You look back at this last 2022 draft of a month ago, Jonathan Lekaramaki, Joachim Kemmel. It was the small wingers who fell. Even the kids who were viewed as top 10 picks. Jonathan Lekaramaki, by by many, if you did a survey of scouts, he was, he was likely a top 10, top 11 pick, but there he was for the Vancouver Canucks at 15. And that's just because centers and defensemen, when push comes to shove, those are the guys that teams end up taking. So um, it, Caulfield, it was the same story. It's a story we've that's been told again and again. And it's, it's a testament to him and his ability to put the puck in the net and skate and handle the puck. And uh, he, he's a unique player. So certainly in terms of that top 15, in terms of those core guys in that draft class, he's the biggest riser. There were others. It looks like a bigger rise when you're a second round pick and then you work yeah. your way into the first round. Who would that be, because- Scott? Who would that be in your opinion? Arthur Kaliev comes yeah. to mind. Bobby Brink comes to mind. Uh, Nils Hoglander uh, out in Vancouver was a second round pick who'd go in the first round in a redraft. So there were kids that rose more than nine slots, of course, but th- there's more room to do that when you're a second or a third round pick. Shane Pinto, who, who is a first rounder for sure today, was drafted 50th o- uh, overall, right? So uh, th- there, there are those kinds of guys can, can move up, uh, can climb. But it, it, it's harder to move up when you're drafted in the top 15, and, and that's a testament to Cole. 
Yeah, maybe the last question on that draft, but Kirby Doc was picked number three, and he was traded to the Canadians, of course, on draft day on Thursday, July 7th. And a lot of Canadians fans are hoping that he's going to be able to play to the potential that a lot of people saw in him. But there are doubts. When you revisit that draft today, where would Kirby Doc go in your opinion? When I thought about Kirby, he was always outside of that top six. So that means as a third overall pick, he's falling by default, right? I think you could make a case for him 7, 8, 9. I think you could make a case for him 10, 11, 12, 13. But either way, he's falling six to 10 spots. So uh, I, I think he's, he's, he's played among the most games in that draft class. He's produced after Jack Hughes near the top of that draft class so far. Obviously, it's early. You're talking about a kid who's got 60 high 50s points in the NHL. So it's not like he's lit it up. Uh, but he's had a couple of 30-point seasons, and that's typically enough to be one of the more productive players this early on after the draft. So still very early. A lot can change. But you're right. I mean, the potential has been there. Even in Chicago, they saw him make five or six plays over the last couple of years where he beat two or three guys, he got to the net, he made a play to score a goal, and people thought, okay, that that's why he was that guy. He's the big six foot three center who can move and who can make plays and handle the puck, but it just wasn't consistent enough there. It just didn't happen every game. It didn't happen shift to shift. They didn't play him with the proper line mates. He never got to play with the Patrick Canes and the Alex DeBrinkets on a consistent basis. And those are the kinds of guys he needed to play with in order to reach his potential. So it's been tricky for him. He, he, he just always felt like he was never consistent enough. He could never put it together for a 10, 15 game stretch. And now playing behind Nick Suzuki, especially after they didn't draft Shane Wright, maybe he's got an opportunity to settle in as the second or third line center in Montreal play more consistently, play on a second power play unit, for example, and, and just start to get reps that way and feel a little bit better about himself. And if yeah. he can become a 40 or a 50 point middle six center, then that's still uh, an impressive NHL player. That's still a good outcome for him. And I'm sure that's that's what they're hoping for. Nobody is Nobody thinks he's going to be the 60 or 70 point center that you hope for when you draft third overall anymore. But if he can be maybe a slight cut below that, if he can still become a, an impactful top nine center, then that's a, a good acquisition for the Canadians. Uh, time to get ready for training camp already. Get on the treadmill, matrixhomefitness.ca. Discover a club quality workout. Bring it home in the comfort of your own home. Visit matrixhomefitness.ca. All right, okay. I want to move on to Team Canada, the World Juniors and we'll start with this. There's some big names, some notables who will not be there, of course, for different reasons. But most notably, they're going to pro camp and stuff like that. So teams don't want a chance it of them getting hurt. Neither do they. Let's bring up those names. All right. These are members of the original 2022 roster who are out for Canada. Caden Gooley, Owen Power, Xavier Borgo, Maverick Bork, Dylan Genter, Jake Neighbors. Cole Perfetti, Justin Sordiff, and Shane Wright. I mean, there's everything there. There's number one centers. There's top line wingers. There's goal scoring. There's size on defense. There's guys that eat a lot of minutes. Wow. There's a lot of talent missing. Yeah, can't, there's no question Canada's been hit hardest by the decisions of some teams and some players to hold themselves out. Most of the other top teams in the tournament are missing one, maybe two guys. You're you're missing Matty Beniers and, and Jake Sanderson if you're Team USA, but you're not missing 
eight, nine guys, right? So uh, it, it's going to hurt Canada. There's no question it thins out the depth a little bit, but it's also an opportunity for, for some really exciting first round level players to step up for Canada. You're going to see Brennan Offman of the New York Rangers in a more prominent role. You're going to have a, a coming out party, I think, for Olin Zellweger, who would be a riser from the 2021 draft and was quite frankly, I think the best defenseman, Caden Gooley included, the best defenseman in junior hockey last year. So uh, th there is talent right up and down the lineup. You've still got Connor Bedard. You've still got Mason McTavish, Kent Johnson. This is still a, a sort of very strong roster for Canada. I still think they're the favorites for gold. I think the Swedes and the Americans will give them a run for their money, but I still think they're the favorites. Uh, and sure, it hurts. No question. I mean, just between Gooley and Power, that that's those are your top two defensemen gone, just yeah. like that, right? So uh, that hurts. But uh, some of it's due to just choices. Someone like Xavier Borgo surprised me a little bit. He actually just made this choice himself that he wanted to to train on his own and sort of go about his offseason differently. He's the kind of player that I think should have gone. And I think he actually would have really benefited from playing in a top six role on this roster with it being a little bit thinner. Uh, so that that something like that surprised me. And then other ones were just injuries. Caden Gooley, for example, is is trying to get healthy right now. And Dylan Gunther is dealing with a knee injury. So it wasn't all teams holding their kids out. Some yeah. of it was health related, uh, but just a, a, a tough blow for sure. And it does water down the quality and uh, will we'll likely keep some eyeballs away from the tournament as well, which TSN and Hockey Canada won't love. You talked about Team USA missing out on some players. Uh, Matty Berniers drafted number two overall by the Seattle Kraken a couple of years ago. Jake Sanderson, I believe he was at number five with the Ottawa Senators. Those are a couple of beauties yep. there. All right, okay. In your world, uh, these are the lines. Let's bring up the lines. All right. Mason McTavish, by the way, was named captain. Uh, and um, and um, there are Ken some... Johnson and Donovan Sabrango were named assistants. Correct. Correct. Uh, and you have Sabrango actually as an extra, which probably uh, is not going to be the case considering they yep. gave him a name. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Sabrango, O'Rourke, Seeley, and Thompson, those, those last three names uh, on that top six defense, I think those guys are interchangeable. Donovan Sabrango and, and, and Ryan O'Rourke in particular play a lot alike they're they're almost identical in terms of style of play makeup physicality all of that uh and Sealy Sealy's an interesting one Sealy's the smallest name on this team he's the latest drafted player on this team he was a seventh round pick but he played with Owen Power in December on the first pairing they had Sealy as the early guy who was going to play with Owen Power on that pairing so uh, I, I think they really like Sealy Sealy's one of Sealy's coaches is also an assistant for this team in Everett so uh, or the head coach in Everett, but an assistant for this team, Canada. So complicated uh, in in terms of the makeup of that that those eight. Uh, the other two, Thompson and Hunt. Hunt was going to be on the team and injured himself in that very last game uh, of their their camp in Calgary. Last defender. They actually came out afterwards and said they were heartbroken for him because he was ten minutes away from making the team. So Hunt replaces one of Power or Gooley as as one of the two new names on that blue line. And then Thompson was held out because Sudbury in the OHL had a huge COVID outbreak. And I think Thompson likely would have been on the team the first time around. So it's not as though the guys that they're replacing Gooley and Power with are guys that they didn't like or guys that weren't going to be on the team initially. I think they feel really good about those eight. They, they, they quite like Thompson and Hunt. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see who the odd man out is. Carson Lambos is a, 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 the youngest player of that group but a kid that I really, really like. And I thought he was brilliant in Calgary at their camp last December. So 
it'll be it'll be tricky that those eight to see who who the odd man out is come come next week. All right, so I'm taping out of Montreal, so Canadians fans, I'm sure, are very interested with two names in particular, yeah. uh, Joshua Roy and Riley Kidney. You have Roy as a regular on a third line. You have Kidney as an extra. Talk to me about them and what they bring to the table. Yeah, I was in Calgary for that camp, obviously, last December before heading out to Edmonton for the short-lived tournament that happened. And uh, Roy was was one of the best players in that camp. He was one of the hottest players out the, out the gate in the QMJHL. And then he was one of the best players in that camp and one of the very last cuts for that team. So I think they, they, they're excited about him. They're excited about him now with this team being a little bit thinner, getting an opportunity to play and not just play in a depth role. I've got him on the third line there, but it's not out of the question. If, if, if he plays on the second line, I think that's a real opportunity for him. I don't think he's going to be a fourth line guy on this team. They view him as someone who needs to go out there and score and make plays and use his size and use his skill to his advantage. They, they think he can have an impact. So uh, wasn't a, a kid who I think will play in that top nine and play an important role on this team. Kidney's a tricky one. Kidney had a great year, great, great year in the QMJHL. He scored 100 points. He was one of the most productive players in junior hockey last season. But he feels to me like he's kind of a top nine or bust guy because he's a little bit uh, skinnier, a little bit smaller. I don't think they're going to play him on that sort of checking fourth line that Team Canada always likes to have. I think you'll see big kids like a Nathan Nathan Gaucher on that line. You'll see a William Cooley, who's a sort of menacing player on that fourth line. They're, They're going to have a big, heavy, strong fourth line. Uh, and I think Kidney, as a result, could kind of be that extra, that guy who, if there's an injury, he slides up right up into a top six role and plays with skill players, but may not have the skill or the cachet or the cloud or the name recognition to get into a top six role right out of the gate. So maybe he's a 13th forward. Maybe he's a guy that you inject into that line, that sort of top of the lineup role if you need a boost. Yeah. Well, this is a great opportunity for all those players, of course, no doubt, especially with a bunch of players, big name players, not going for different reasons. Scott, you were a very engaging guest. I thoroughly enjoyed this chat that we had. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thanks for doing it, pal. Thanks, Tony. Anytime, buddy. All right, we'll talk to you soon. I love this guy. Scott Wheeler from The Athletic. I love me too. I'm Marinaro, and I love the sick podcast. Tell your friends about it. Say the guy who hosts the podcast is sick. I'm Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature, and Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you. <laughs>